Okay, gonna start? Um, you ready? I'm, yeah, I'm here. Okay, Sarge, Sarge, I have to tell you, I was there last night in Los Olas and listened to the Megillah reading, which the rabbi did at super speed. I love that rabbi now. And then you came on and I was so shocked. I mean, I've heard about you before, but I haven't really seen your stuff. And when I saw you, I'm like, I used to be friends with Jackie Mason. And then I saw you, I'm like, wow. It's like I saw so much of you, how you connect and how you really know your audience and the Jewish people and whatever. So you really are amazing. And I have you here today only because I need dating advice. And usually I wear this on first dates. And I just wanted to know what you thought. The tiara um, and the whole thing. I can't figure out why I'm not meeting anybody. Can you give me some advice? Well, um, I think the crown um, and the glass of wine. It's, not big, it's not big enough? <laughs> well, no, I think, I think um, you might want to uh, kind of back off a little of your, your royal background first and let people have a chance to get to meet who you really are instead of who... You mean the bling and all? Well, no, I'm, I'm just talking about the crown. The bling is fine. Oh, I don't, we're going to start with the crown. I think you're pretty enough to supersede the, you know, the bling. But if I met you and, and, and we were maybe going on a, I would wonder where your, your security team was. Like, you know, how come <laughs> this, 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 this royalty is walking around without any bodyguards? I'd be concerned. Uh, and then I'd instantaneously know that you were just nuts, maybe. I would think she's just nuts. She's nuts. Thank God, and I can get away with being nuts once a year. And I promise you, I do not wear this on the going date. But do you have anything to say about singles today? Because it's so hard to meet people. What are your thoughts? I think that um, God is more important today than ever before. Because um, the way people have chosen to abbreviate the search process by using technology um, I mean, I know that, you know, the younger people are using phones to um, find right. out who's who's around. Um, you know, they look at their phone and they swipe and they swipe and they swipe and they look, oh, look, there's somebody, you know, I got to go. There's somebody at Starbucks that wants to jump into bed with me, you know, and it's like, whatever happened to getting to know people, whatever happened to people getting set up, whatever happened to ha people introducing you to people, you know, uh, so I think today being single um, although I'm envious sometimes of people that are single just because of, you know, the freedom. Don't tell your that wife allows. to don't let her see this video. Oh, I know my wife is envious of people who are single. I know that. For a fact. <laughs> but, no, I'm, I'm, I'm only envious uh, because, you know, sometimes you see people uh, out for the evening. Like last night after, after our event at the Las Olas Jewish Center, you know, I was driving uh, back up Las Olas to get over to 95 to go home. And I saw all these places that were just packed with people having a good time. And if you're married, you're not out hanging around on Las Olas until 12, 30, 1 o'clock in the morning. You're usually, you know, 8 o'clock, you know, falling asleep in a chair somewhere. So it's really funny how I, 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 I was really taken by all the people that were out. It was like, they looked like they were having such a good time. Yeah, because of you, sorry to blame you for that fact. Well, oh, no, you mean like at the having... Los Olas Center or elsewhere? No I, I, no, I mean in all of the places that were still open at oh, 11 o'clock last night. I saw all those people. And when you're, when, you're, when you're married and you're going home to go to bed from a job, let's say, like a show, you see all those people and it looks like 
God, I'd love to just stop in and hang out, you know, and I don't drink. Um, I don't I know. party. That's an interesting story, you know, because you're a comedian, you're so lighthearted, but you did not have an easy past. And you kind of quit drinking cold turkey, right? Well, I, I went to rehab and I was okay. encouraged. And I was encouraged um, when I got to rehab. I had, been, I, already, I had already been homeless nine months at that point, And I got to rehab and they encouraged me to pray it away, um, which sounds kind of silly um, or kind of light-handed. But I got to treatment and a gentleman met me at the door and he said, you know, what have you been doing? And I said, oh, well, I've been smoking crack. I've been uh, using angel dust, PCP. I've been drinking. And he says, how long? And I said, about nine, nine, ten years. And I've been homeless on the streets about nine months. And he said, okay, well, why don't you go in the other room and ask God to remove the obsession to drink and drug from your life? So I said, okay. He says, and I'll go through your bag. I had one bag. When I got to rehab, I had a trash bag, but not the one from the kitchen, one from a bathroom trash bag. That's what I showed up at rehab with. I flew down to Florida from New York City in the middle of winter, uh, December 26th, 1990. I flew down. The guy said, go pray. So I went and prayed, and I came out, and he said, did you do it? And I said, yes. He says, okay, come on. Let's go to your room. And he put me in my room and I woke up the next morning and um, I don't know. It's almost like a spell had been broken. Um, I, would, I, it was, I was not on any detox medications. In those days, they didn't have too many detoxes. You showed up at a treatment center and then they started to treat you. And so the first treatment was a prayer. And the next day I, w I woke up and I never took another drink or a drug after that again. And I've been clean and sober uh, since December 26, 1990, and it's 2023, so you can do the math. Wow, okay, don't tell me about math, because I can't do it, <laughs> unless my 32. fingers are involved. But that's it's an incredible years. story. And I, oh, 32, you know what 32 is in Hebrew, right? In Gematria, it's heart. So oh, really, really, you invested, yeah, you invested your heart. The word lev is 32. Um, my rabbi said that, Reading the Torah is God talking to us, and praying is us talking to God. And we should never underestimate the power of prayer. And I have to tell you, I've struggled with it as a Jewish woman, a religious woman. It just kind of gets in the way of my schedule. But when I did tap into prayer, I found it very powerful. And still I struggle, because I'm not so disciplined, a more creative type, you know? You have to do things when your spirit evokes the feeling. But prayer is, is tremendous. You well, are... Meditation. Well, meditation is the other is the other is the other powerful uh, prayer is is quick and easy, but meditation requires um, a, a commitment and uh, an appointment. I think the meditation is and and to be honest, I don't mean to be disrespectful, but I believe that the meditation is a far more powerful part of the processes. I think prayer can become very rote um, because you know you may pray the same prayers over and over again, or you have prayers that you have memorized or. But the meditation is a very disciplined process. Um, now, you might say, well, you know, it's also a disciplined process to actually find the time to pray. I don't find the prayers to be as powerful as the prayerfulness. Being prayerful, to me, is actually a bigger component of it than the prayer itself. The prayer itself, it doesn't matter what prayer you pray, as long as that you do pray. And then the meditation part is really the part that changes your brain. Um, because prayer can open more questions than it answers. But meditation is really um, the behavioral changer. It's the one that modifies, you know, when you think about your body, you, they can give you a new eye. They can give you a new lung or a new kidney. They can sew your finger back on. 
they can't swap out your brain. You can get a heart transplant. You can get any kind of transplant you want, a bionic leg. You can't get a new brain. So the only way to change the way your neuro complexities work is to go inward. And you're the only one that can do that. And so the self-healing part of meditation and what you choose to meditate about, and for me, it's gratitude, um, because gratitude is an immensely powerful component and the diametric opposite to fear. And so what you find out when you are um, riddled with addiction is that you're suffering from a hundred kinds of fear. Um, it's ironic though, that when I got well, um, the journey has been to make people happy everywhere I go. So the outgrowth of my cleanliness and sobriety um, has been a, um, a religious type commitment to prayer and meditation. And then as an extension of that, the ability to make people joyful um, in a way that's very carefree and very wonderful. And it's not ritualistic and it's not religion, it's spiritual. And it doesn't matter whether you're Jewish or not Jewish, Gentile or Jews, people in general, whether they're at the drive through window at Chipotle or whether they're sitting in an audience at a Jewish center or whether I'm at an Orthodox affair or whether I'm at a reformed synagogue in Pennsylvania. It doesn't make any difference. It knows no boundaries. Um, my determination and my job and my career and my life's work since I got well um, has been to make people happy. So now that I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing, because um, I was always supposed to be doing this. This was a vision I had from when I was six years old at a place called Grossinger's in the Catskill Mountains when my grandfather took me to see. So. So I saw Don Rickles and I thought to myself when I was six, I don't know what this guy's talking about, but I want to do what he does. And ultimately, I, I must have lost sight of that dream because it wasn't until I got clean and sober, the third day clean and sober, that I realized that's what I want to do. And ever since then, that's what I've been doing. So um, I think it speaks to one very important thing. You know, you hear people say, oh, well, everything happens for a reason. I don't agree. I think everything just happens. And I think the more I'm accepting of everything just happening, I can't make anything happen. The fact that I pray and meditate doesn't mean things are going to turn out a certain way. It doesn't mean I'm not going to get sick or I'm not going to get healthy or I'm going to be happy or sad. It doesn't mean any of that. What it means is everything just happens and I need to be ready. And a state of gratitude means I'm grateful for this conversation. Um, I'm grateful for the people that are watching. I'm grateful for that audience last night. Um, and the fact that I get paid to do what I do in varying degrees is it just amplifies great. The, it amplifies the gratitude. So I just caught uh, something you said in the past sentence was um, your people, but you are half Jewish. Your mother was Jewish and your father was black, right? Well, no, I'm, I'm, I mean, someone whose mother is Jew is all Jewish. Right, right. Just, so you just, right? You racially, just, you racially, well, racially, racially, I have, you know, I have, a, I had a black father. And a, an Orthodox so Jewish how mother. much humor has that inspired in you? I mean, there's like a million jokes there. Well, there is, but you know, as we evolve as a sociological group, as society evolves, you know, it's become interesting because for many years, ethnic humor, you know, I mean, for Jews, there really is no other kind of humor, if you think about it. I mean, when it comes, there's nothing better um, than Jewish people having fun because, because of our Jewishness. 
Our Jewishness is such fertile ground for humor that when we're together, and that's largely why the, it, it, you know the universe has bestowed upon me a preponderance of audiences and um, events to perform at, which are mostly Jewish. They're, they're, I mean, you know, they just are, and I prefer it for the level of intelligence. Um, Jews are all, almost always multilingual. Uh, they speak other languages. They're from other, but, but they're but the thing about Jews that's phenomenal is that, and and you, they can debate this if they want. They can complain about this back to you later after I'm gone. Um, Jews are the same everywhere. We are. We are. It doesn't matter if it's in Montreal or Toronto or if it's in Vancouver or uh, Scottsdale, Arizona, Palm Springs, Israel. It doesn't matter where you encounter Jews. If they speak, if you if they speak English, and they know what I'm talking about. Um, they, the sense of humor, the essence of w the way I go about my business, it's common thread. They're the same everywhere. We all come from the same um, basket of civilization, and we all came to this country in pretty much the same way back in the day, ancestrally. Right. We, all came we all came through Ellis Island. Some people went to Chicago. Some people went to New Jersey. Some people went to Boston. But at the end of the day, we all came, we were all the same at one point and we just moved to other places. So I don't have to change the sensibility or the intelligence level, the intellect level of what I do, no matter where I am, because Jews are highly intelligent, highly intuitive, um, and but love to laugh. It shows you the power of the Torah in a way, because I think that all of Judaism obviously is based on the Torah, how powerful it is that no matter where a Jew is, there is that sameness. There's something that's feeding their personalities, their spirit, their reaction, and all their sensibilities. Well, you and, can and there's, a lot, there's a lot of Jews that are not, and you're, this also may be uncomfortable for people, but there's a lot of Jews that aren't influenced by the Torah. They're culturally Jewish. They're ethnically Everybody's Jewish. Everybody's for Jews. If you do it right, they're, they're uncomfortable. If you do it wrong, they're uncomfortable. <laughs> there, are people that, there are people that don't go to shul, but they're very well aware of the fact that God's in charge, Hashem. Um, these are people that eat blintzes and whitefish salad, and they love bagels, and they may not they may not go to shul very often. They may just live a very, very, very... I, I mean, I grew up in Long Island, you know, in Great Neck, and then I moved to Manhattan. Um, it's a very Jewish place. Um, New York is very Jewish. It's got the right. essence of Jewish food, Jewish people. It's got every possible kind of Jew, every sect, every denomination. Um, so I don't really discriminate. Um, you know, because I, I listen in this world, everybody is so touchy and so sensitive. And if you know, another thing I love about Jews is that most of the time we know we know a lot of people, you know, uh, don't care for us. We know this. We know people are jealous. We know people are envious of our education level or our drive, our energy, the way we are, the way we speak, the, you know, the way we act. All of that, I mean, you know, it's very ethnic, it's very Jew-ish, okay? And people, a lot of people don't like it. I find that the people that I am inspired by the most are the people that don't react to the negative people. You know, we have a much, in a lot of ways, we have a much different attitude about people that, um, that, that don't like us. That's their loss. Why would right. I waste my time? Why would I waste my time? You know, other ethnic groups, and I won't get specific, you know, somebody does something anti them, 
and they're marching and they're throwing Molotov cocktails and they're screaming and yelling. And Jews are like, I mean, why would I waste? But don't tell me who it is. <laughs> but but why would that. I waste? Why would I even dignify that with a response? If someone's stupid, they're stupid. Let them be stupid. I can't educate them all in one conversation. So you know, I, I really believe that humor is the most cleansing, healing thing. And people who have the ability to have a sense of humor about themselves, people who don't take themselves too seriously, um, uh, have the potential. Even though we're clowns, right? When they go on a blind date. What's that? You mean people who don't wear a crown when they go on a blind date? No, I really I, don't. You know, it's Purim, so I'm just I, trying I to know, be silly. No, no, Queen Esther. I get the whole Queen Esther thing, but I think that um, I think that uh, things are meant to be. They're supposed to be, and um, like what you saw last night, it was me being me. You know, before we began the podcast, you said, "Oh, well, don't make certain kinds of jokes." Um, right. That's that to me is a restriction or a censorship that you don't need to make. I'm not in a show situation right now, and it's it would I want have faith, have faith in people. Um, I know my place, I know my position. I do what I have to do. What you didn't think about last night, you know, and the kinds of jokes I was doing, there are no rules when I'm in that the situation. Rabbi gave, the rabbi gave you, now I need my drink, it's Purim, I'm going for no, it. No, no, the rabbi, the rabbi trusts me. The rabbi wouldn't have me there if he didn't trust me. You know, I'll usually, you, I'll, I'll you know, let, you me, let, me, let me say something. Sure. You end up at a Jewish center like that. By the time you end up in a Chabad or a shul, I do the shul down in Bell Harbor. I do a, a lot of different, you know, Jewish events. By the time you're there, they've spoken to 30 other rabbis. Oh, that's to, so funny. To give you the stamp of approval, right? They, yes. And, and so if even one of them has something to say that's, that, that, that it's a little off color. So they, too, they understand. Let me tell you something. They understand that comedy is rougher than scripture because when you're standing there you have to instantly cut through all the differentials and all of the people that are sitting there language barrier they don't know you this is all happening right now you have a very tough job it's one thing when you're reading from the torah and people are instantaneously reverent or respectful but, but when are you you're are you scared every time you start? Oh, or no. no. I've no? done this a million. I've, I've, I've won. I've been successful in that arena, in that situation, so many times. It's the same as if a, a really good trial attorney isn't scared right. about going into a courtroom. Um, okay. A really good uh, surgeon is not scared to walk into the operating room. The patient may be scared. Some of the nurses may be a little queasy. But the surgeon is steady hand. Can I just comedian. jump in for one second? Can I just jump in? Because sure. the only reason that I said that to you when we started, I'll be very honest, rabbis can get away with a lot more. If the rabbi gives you approval, it's okay. But when you're a blonde woman in the religious world and you want to teach Torah and you want to do the right thing, there's a million critics on you. And they're just waiting to pounce. You see, I knew all along if we followed her, she, you know, so... So listen, it's a self-protective mechanism, you know I mean? and it was nothing you know, about humor. It was more about, you know, like, you know what? You, you jump on Elisa again because she's blonde. You don't need those people. You don't need them. <laughs> you don't need them. Now we need to. We're waiting no. 30 years ago when that had this problem. If you're going to do humor or you're going to do other kinds of things, 
you're going to have to take the risk and take the chance. Nothing great is ever achieved without taking some risk. And if people are going to be overly sensitive or people are going to be um, in a position where they lack evolution or where they think that there's some sort of gender differential, I mean, some people have to upgrade themselves a little bit and they have to get into the 21st century. And they have, you know, uh, it, it's not okay to just have selective evolution. Like, oh, I'll use cell phones and technology, but I won't upgrade my thinking about different roles um, in, in, in life. Um, people are evolving always and improving. Brilliant, brilliant analogy. And, brilliant. And, and if you're going to selectively take the ones that, that you agree with, but um, denigrate people for having spirit or energy or, or humor or then, you know, you don't need followers like that. You want people who are like-minded, um, who will just enjoy your company and not judge. I don't need to be judged. There's only one judge, and um, we know who that is. So why would I allow myself to be judged by others, equals, people, humans? There should be no judgment or critique. If you want to have an opinion, that's fine. Everyone's got an opinion. It can be, you know, these things are very subjective, but at the same time, if you lack evolution, then you're probably not in a conversation with me. We probably won't get along. And it's okay for you to, listen, for you to do whatever it is or hold whatever ideas you hold, that's fine. Just don't log in. It's a free world. Change the channel. There's other things you could be doing. Rather than sitting here hating me or hating you or judging or criticizing your outfit or your, or your makeup or your height or where you're from or the way you speak or how comfortable you are or how much fun you have, once again, I don't need to be judged. God does the judging. And if God says to me, it's time to not wake up today, then it's time to make funeral arrangements. You know, God is the one that judges. And when I stand in front of people, I'm, I'm endorsed by God. I'm blessed by God. My health, my mental capacities, my energy, the fact that that room was packed with people last night and every night wherever I go is packed with people, it's blessed by God. It's, it's already been given his approval. So why do I need some some limited person to tell me, oh, something you said or something you did or something that you are doesn't fit my idea of something? It's so limiting. Um, humor should be expansive and limitless so that people can enjoy, you know, um, all the colors and all the humor. Life is so short. Why would you spend any of it judging someone else? Um, maybe, out of maybe out of insecurity. But let me just tell you, you know, I've always asked if God has a sense of humor, and two indications in the Torah say so. One is, Pharaoh wanted to kill all the Jews, throw them in the Nile. Little did he know that the savior of the Jewish people was being reared and raised in his palace. And then now, the holiday of Purim. Again, a whole plot against the Jews to kill them, to hang them, destroy them. And Esther was in the palace of the king. So God does have a sense of humor, and just when you think you have to look outward for Savior, sometimes you have to look deep within to find it. Sure, and sometimes, um, you know, man is the evil entity, and God is not involved in any way, shape, or form. Uh, sometimes God is just there for you on the other side of the circumstance. To where was he you in your life? Where was he in your life when you were under the bridge to now? Where was God? Um, in well, I mean, I, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a realist and a traditionalist, and I believe that, you know, um, if things aren't supposed to be, then they aren't, and if things are supposed to be, then they are. So to make it much simpler, um, I don't question, you know, why the sun is out. 
um, whether it's cloudy or not, I know the sun is still there because the sun is supposed to be there because the sun has always been there because the sun is 97 million miles away and it's exactly the right distance from this particular planet so that things can grow here. And I know that zebras stay with zebras and giraffes stay with giraffes and dolphins swim with dolphins. There's an order, there's a natural order to the universe that's all in order. And the only time it gets out of order is when people start to have other ideas about that. People are the only pe things on earth that have a problem with the natural order of the universe. When, when, a, when a zebra is killed by a lion in African tundra and, and the lions are eating a zebra, the zebras just go away to another field. They don't have a support group. They don't hold hooves and stand in a circle and sing, you know, comfortable songs to make them feel better. They accept the natural order of things in the universe that some of us are going to be food this year and some of us are going to move to a better grazing area. And that's it. It's not an emotional thing. It's not, a, oh, my God, did you see what happened to Lenny? You know, um, I can't, I, you know. Zebras don't get PTSD. Did you ever notice that the, the, when you see those cheetahs that are hunting, these beautiful cats, they, not, they don't stretch before they run after something. They just see something and, they, and they're hungry. They get up and they go. People are kind of, you go to the gym, there's whole areas where people are stretching and pulling and don't do any stretching. I mean, my dog gets off the couch, he stretches a leg and then he gets up, he goes and has a drink. The point I'm making is, there's a natural order to things. And um, I, I really, you know, I tried to be in alignment in my, in, in, in where, you know, in, in the universe, someplace between the sun and me, you know, there's God for me. And um, he saw fit um, in the natural order of things to put me in a position to not be too famous, to not be too successful, because those are earthly definitions. Um, there are people that make a lot more money than I. There are people that are much more famous than me. But then who's going to do the Jewish Center last night? And who's going to be at um, a Suda tonight, you know, in Boca Raton? And who's going to be in New York for five nights in May? So I won't be at Radio City. I won't be at Caesars Palace. I'll be all the other places where, you know what I'm saying? But you never know. You just might be. But in show business, there's a hierarchy. In other words, everybody's shooting to be a big success. Like you mentioned Jackie Mason earlier. Jackie Mason uh, was a tremendous success eventually, but because of one misunderstanding in the late 60s, Jackie Mason had to slug it out in the trenches. And the interesting thing about Jackie Mason, you mentioned him earlier, is that Jackie Mason may have been the singularly most gifted comic of all time and doesn't get the credit for that. When you saw Jackie Mason in the 60s on the Ed Sullivan show before he was banned, he was a lightning fast. It was it was impossible to even follow him. He was so fast, fast and funny and money before he had the crazy hair. He had his hair slicked back. He was wearing more conformist type clothing. He looked like a, a, a young version of Lenny Bruce and he was brilliantly funny. And it wasn't until he added the extra to talk like this. I'm coming over here, I'm coming over there, doing this, I'm doing that, I'm putting my pants, I wear these pants all the time, I never sit down in these pants. I always stand up in these pants, I have never sat down in these pants. Like when he said, when he put on all that extra bickering, it's when he really identified who he was, he identified his best customer, 
and then went out into the world. And even though the world is so anti-Semitic in so many ways, Jackie Mason was a big hit in Europe. Is there a more boyish place than than London? And the, 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 I mean, the, the most the, the biggest shits in the universe was sitting on the throne when, when Jackie Mason <laughs> went over there. And yet that character, that personality, that brilliance, he had to wait 40 years until the fog lifted of the mistake that was made on his behalf. How he didn't lose his mind, I don't know. Um, there's differing reports as to his demeanor and his, and his personality. But at the end of the day, you know, God used him um, to show people that we're funny. You know, we can all take credit for that. It's almost like, you know, Jews are funny. Jews invented comedy. We invented, we invented comedy. We invented it. Can I ask you, who else can you imitate? Who else can you do for I don't, me? I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't do, I don't do impressions. Oh, you don't? Okay. Well, you did Jackie really, really good. I can get a tiara. I can get a tiara. All, get a tiara? Comics, all comics are mimics. Actually, it's mimics, giving me a headache. The weight of the crown is too heavy for me. I'm getting a freaking headache. <laughs> <laughs> the weight of the crown. Uneasy lies the head that wears the crown. No, it is not. Even on Purim. Even on Purim. No, but, no I, I just think that, um, you know, the essence of it is, um, and I'll, I'll give you a perfect example of last night. I was going through the whole show, and then I told a joke about a racist guy, and it got nothing. No one knew what I was talking about. They didn't get the yeah, joke. That's to explain. I noticed you had to explain a little. But, well, no, but they still didn't get it, though. But the funny part of the joke was, there's a black guy, a Mexican guy, and a Jewish guy, and a racist guy sitting on a bench. And so a genie comes along and gives them all a wish, one wish. And he asks the Mexican guy, what's your wish? He says that all of my Mexican brothers and me would go back to Mexico. And then he asks the Jewish guy, what about you? I wish all me and my Jewish friends would all go to Israel. And the black guy, I wish all the black people we would go back to Africa. And the genie says, I will grant all of your wishes. Now you, the racist, what would you like? And he says, I'd like a Diet Coke. People didn't get it. But the point of it is, Jews are all going to Israel, back to Israel. The, the, the Mexicans are all going back to Mexico. The blacks are all going back to Africa. So when he asked the racists, what do you want? All of those were all his wishes. He them all to go back. It's as deep, yeah, as deep as it goes. See what I mean? And but people just like, hmm, I didn't oh, oh, oh. it's funny. All night they laugh and then not lose your confidence. The joke didn't get one laugh. And then I moved directly back into having some fun with the rabbi about, you know, his Evelyn Wood speed reading course. Well, you know, I don't know what the determination was to do the Megillah as fast as possible. I've was, never seen anything so fast in my whole life. He's really my it was adorable. Around. It was it was adorable though. It was a, oh no, I loved it. I loved it. But what I'm saying is, it gave me humor. So guess what? I turned out of a skid and got back on the road and finished strong. And all I right. had to do was tell the truth because the joke didn't go over well. I acknowledged that. I said, well, any comic can finish on a big laugh, but I like to finish on a joke that gets nothing. And then by telling the truth. It took me to the next movement, which was to do something very, very funny about the Megillah. And people were laughing uproariously. Thank you very much. So glad you were here. Good night. God gives me the confidence to move on, even when everything doesn't go perfectly. There's always a plan B or a plan C. Um, God gives me material. 
God gives me material right in front of me. I didn't have to look further than the rabbi that was on right before me in order to find something to have fun with. He also gave me a rabbi who has a sense of humor about himself, so he didn't get upset that I was having some fun with him. The audience loved it. I loved it. We all hugged afterwards. It went phenomenally well. It's not about perfection. It's about enjoying the imperfections. Can you make fun of me just to give my audience something to be excited about? <laughs> I have no desire to make fun of you. I, I, you can't conjure the material. I, I don't know what time of day. I don't know what time of day it is when people are consuming this particular podcast. But I'm wondering, you see, with your background wall over there, it just seems to me you're a little bit overdressed to be in the alley. Uh, you, you look like you're in an alley, and it looks like you, you tried on a dress and went out the back door of the store and just kept walking. So the label is limited. I would suggest you go back and pay for the outfit. That's what I would suggest. I suggest you go back to the store and, and, and beg for their forgiveness. Really? And honestly, I wanted to sit down for this interview, but I knew that if I sat on that chair, it would crack the dress, so I decided to do this standing. So you see, it was standing ovation from the onset. I knew it was good when I booked you last night. How long have you been here from Montreal? I have been here for seven years, but to be honest, back and forth, I have a sick mom in Canada, so I'm, I'm dancing around. Air Canada loves me. Me, Montreal, them, you, you go back and forth, to, yeah, for that, you can hear it yeah. in your voice. I can hear you from Montreal. It's funny because when I'm in Canada, people say, "Oh, where are you from?" I'm like, "I'm from here." And when I'm here, they're like, "Where are you from?" Well, I'm from Montreal. You can always you can always tell somebody who's from Montreal as opposed to somebody who's from Toronto. I'll actually be, I'll, actually, I'll be in Canada in uh, June. I'll be there on June 16th for the uh, Magen David Adom uh, Gala in um, Toronto. I'm doing their big, um, you know, their big uh, Magen David uh, Red Red Cross. Thing up there, and uh, I know closer to the date, and I will promo you big time. It'll be my pleasure. I loved you last night. You were great. I never booked no, no, something. This, this will be a big gala. This will be a big gala. I'll be there from uh, the 16th to the 18th, and uh, uh, it's it's going to be at the Bellevue Manor, I think, in uh, Toronto. And uh, I think there are going to be a lot of people there who I, I I I before the pandemic, I was up there quite a bit. I used to come up at least once a year to do things. Um, never been blessed to be at uh, the, the Just for Last Festival, but I guess that's something that's still in my future. And um, but in any event, I love going there, and I love uh, being part of those galas that go on up there. There's also a wonderful organization called Jacks that does uh, wonderful stuff with Jewish kids in recovery, and um, it's a very, very Hamish Hamish group, good people. Um, Ori Goldstein and Zalman Golden. So I I have a lot of buddies and uh, Yummy Schachter. Izzy Schachter from Charity Bids. I don't know if you know him, but Yummy's father is a very uh, a very big rabbi up there, and Yummy has a big uh, organization that does a lot of fantastic charity work with um, <laughs> celebrities. Yeah, so so I have a lot of buddies up north of the border there, and I love going up there, and I'm glad, we were, we're, I'm glad they're going to allow me to come back, even though I've been such a bad American down here. Oh, yeah. Listen, Serge, I have to tell you that um, I've always said that comedians are the most brilliant people. I mean, they, they make us laugh, so we think they're a little lighthearted and whatever, but um, you proved my point that you're really so deep. I feel like um, like I failed almost because I brought up a lot of serious in you and less comedy, but what you had to say was so poignant and so meaningful and so helpful, and, and I'm so grateful that you made the time because I know how busy you are, and I'm really grateful you made time for me today. My so pleasure. So really thank you. I give you the final word. You could say whatever you want. 
Um, and I my goal, well, my goal in this appearance was to not ever be invited back on this podcast. So um, ah! I hope, so I hope I achieved my goal of not being invited back. And um, I don't want to take up too much space. I, I, I'd like to make room for other very talented people to be even even funnier and even more brilliant than myself. So I hope uh, this did the trick for today and um, lose my number. I'm so sorry it ain't happening. <laughs> okay, Jackie Torum, the best to you and your family from success to success, from laugh to laugh. I'm blessing you. Thank you. Over and out. Be well.